Welcome to the Arate Podcast. My name is Richard Triggs, and today's guest is Rex Irwin, Managing Director of Mind Matters Institute. Thanks for joining me today for this wonderful conversation with Rex Irwin. And I'm really looking forward to introducing Rex as he's somebody that I've known for over 20 years and I've always been fascinated by the work that he does. But before we get into that, let me briefly introduce myself to you. My name is Richard Triggs and I'm the managing partner of Arate Executive. We recruit CEOs, senior leaders and non-executive directors for our clients throughout Australia. We also provide a range of career coaching and advocacy services. So if you're a senior executive actively looking for a new role, I'd welcome the opportunity to have a chat to you about how we can help. Let's get on now and let me introduce to you Rex Irwin. Rex Irwin describes himself as a mindset mentor for business owners and leaders who want to achieve success and balance in all areas of life. He has tertiary qualifications in psychology and behavioral science and certifications in kinesiology and a number of other disciplines. Rex is also a highly respected teacher in the field of neurolinguistics. His film, The Journey Back, has been featured at the Griffith University, Byron Bay and Bali Film Festivals. This body of work has evolved from many years where Rex has facilitated programs and workshops in ancient tribal cultures focusing on sustainable thinking and wisdom. Rex lives on the Sunshine Coast with his partner in both life and business, Catherine Connolly. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Rex Irwin. So uh, Rex, welcome to the Aratay Podcast. It's great to have you along. And we're sitting in this uh, very funky office space uh, sort of on the outskirts of the Brisbane CBD and what is it, an old uh, uh, renovated power station? Yeah, it's a substation, uh, one of Brisbane's oldest. So it's, uh, yeah, it's playful. Right. And uh, we're sitting sort of in the subterranean area. Yeah, I don't know quite what this was, but it is, I call it the dungeon. Right. um, So I quite like uh, um, the combination of the bricks out of the wall, uh, quote Pink Floyd's um, there's just another brick in the wall. Uh, it's metaphorical for the work I do, really. So the interplay of imperfection and perfection together in the old building and the new is, uh, it sort of suits me, oh, cool. the way well, I see the world. That's probably a great place to start then in sure. terms of the work that you do. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your current range of professional responsibilities are. Okay. Um, I'm the managing partner of Mind Matters Institute. Uh, Mind Matters is a... Um, has been around about 20 years, and, and its intention, its purpose, it works with human potential, uh, mm-hmm. high performance, and everything in between. So the intention is based on a belief as an organisation that every human has an extraordinariness that can be realised given certain ways of thinking and believing, mm-hmm. uh, and the belief of uh, of the idea of ourselves coupled with the vision of, of what, we, what we're capable of creating is a magical and wonderful thing to be a part of. So helping or facilitating people to that through workshops, 
through one-on-one -on -one work, very confidential private spaces, especially for people that are in leadership. Confidentiality is really important, so we create a space that is a bit like a, hence the dungeon, a bit like a, um, a uh, soundproof room mm -hmm. where only that which is discussed in the room stays in the room, it's mm -hmm. not discussed outside, is important to us. So we create this place for people to explore themselves um, and, uh, and get mentally and emotionally fit enough to play the game. Okay, and so um, you mentioned that you work with uh, senior executives, so what would be an example or some examples of the kind of people that would come to you, the kind of challenges they're facing and how you help them? The, there are a number of scenarios uh, in, in leadership, both entrepreneurial leaders in their own business uh, and executives in, in corporations, is that they have evolved to points where they're getting great results and they're recognised. For them to for them to um, to continue evolving, uh, not only requires their knowledge and skill, it requires their idea of themselves to be evolved. And so, an example of that is working with uh, a particular client who built a wonderful business privately, um, and let's say to about a fifty million dollar business. And uh, one day they were speaking to me about uh, the concern that they were feeling particularly bored. Right. And as they looked around their world, uh, a part of them felt guilty about it because they realised they were uh, wonderfully abundant and had uh, the buildings and the, and, and the, and the machines and uh, incredible uh, success in many, many ways. And, uh, and significance, and yet they were feeling bored. And there's like this place, the, uh, the idea of ourselves gets to a place where uh, we, we aren't stimulated externally anymore. And to go to the next level requires us to look at who we would be to have what's next. Mm -hmm. If we're at a point, and, and there are so many people at high levels of performance that uh, achieve the having part and they have a wonderful material life and yet they can feel a sense of emptiness or unhappiness or incompletion somehow. And um, working with these people is taking that boredom, that stagnation, that numbness that can turn up quite often uh, and transforming it into uh, inspiration. So starting to connect with what they really want to grow uh, as an idea of themselves and the world they could create that's connected to it. So it might go from, I've created a great business or a great world and I haven't really spent much time looking at the difference I'm making or the impact. Uh, or my world has been very um, professionally based and I haven't spent a lot of time with my family. Or I haven't spent a lot of time uh, in my inner growth. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is really a work style, lifestyle balance approach for okay, these so guys. That example is somebody <coughs> who basically professionally life's pretty good. They yeah. might be a bit bored or looking for ways to make a more make a more meaningful contribution. What about people who where perhaps professional life is not so good? Yeah, um, they could end up uh, in, and it's very common as we both know now with contexts like retrenchment uh, and or I'm not feeling satisfied 
uh, or I'm not being, I'm not feeling a sense of respect, or the organisation I'm working for. Um, his values are not aligned with what I really believe is true. I'm mm -hmm. not feeling that I'm uh, part of something meaningful. Um, or I'm just struggling in myself, my sense of self, my confidence. Uh, even though I walk in a room wearing a great suit and I'm respected and my hand's shaken and everyone's listening or we're listening to each other, there's a quiet part of me that's uh, silently desperate or hurting uh, that, that, uh, that is hidden. Mm -hmm. So that's not an easy place for many people to go, especially in, in, uh, in significant positions because they, they can't afford to be seen, mm -hmm. to be vulnerable like that, and where do they go? So a lot of our work is providing a space for that um, private hell to be uh, explored mm -hmm. and moved. And so no matter how successful we can become in a professional world, often our inner sense of self is not necessarily uh, in a healthy place. And so we, Mind Matters is able to provide a space uh, and it's one of my loves uh, for that to be explored. And uh, not exclusively, uh, and a lot of men. The world of exploring emotion or sense of uh, doubt is uh, not easy to talk about um, in the world of men. It's evolving and changing where we can talk about our feelings. But where do men go uh, to talk about um, their sense of vulnerability or hesitation in themselves? So would you say that most of your clients are coming to you because they've uh, come to a sense of some kind of crisis, uh, whether it's uh, professional confidence or you know, boredom or, or what have you, and they are being referred to you uh, through previous people who you've worked with? Yeah. Um, most of it's referral. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, most being all okay. <laughs> over the years. Right. All, all of it's referral when it comes to my... Uh, and, they, and they come with varying um, issues and vulnerabilities and angsts. Um, just to get my answer right, could you just be a little bit more specific with your question? Yep, okay, so... Uh, um it sounds to me as though people are not coming to you and saying, hey, my life's awesome, but right. I'd like to make it a little bit more awesome. Right. They're saying, you know, I've got some angst, some kind of crisis, uh, whether it's through uh, stress right. or boredom or, or fear or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and in, within their circle, somebody is saying to them, you know, I, I think you need to go and have a chat to Rex. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. Right. So, yeah, there is a crisis. It doesn't have to be, uh, and it most often is. Right. Is they're dealing with something that's challenging them. Predominantly, it's either transitioning uh, to, a, to another role, um, being retrenched, and where next? Or I've reached the peak of what I'm doing and where next or who am I now right. and or um, I'm really, really hurting and unhappy mm -hmm. uh, or my relationship is really struggling and or I can't relate to my kids. Right. So there, there is 
there is an issue. Yeah. There, there's something going on that they've come to a recognition. I need an external person to help me to get some yeah. clarity and, and yeah. some direction. And you mentioned also you're involved in doing coursework. So what, what's that all about? Um, there's a number of courses that Mind Matters facilitates uh, in different contexts. One, an example of that would be the masterclass, mm -hmm. which is a high-level communication course. Uh, which allows us not only to, to have a close look at how we are operating individually, how we're thinking, how our emotions are uh, useful or being managed well or not, uh, and being able to communicate with and understand others. What we believe is that, is that it's easy to recognise cultural difference uh, between cultures, as in um, nations, yep. <coughs> languages, it's easy to recognise the sort of problems that two cultures would have uh, coming together, uh, but be it Japanese or Irish coming together in a relationship, you can <laughs> see the sort of challenges they're sure. going to have. It's not so easy to see it in same language, same culture, uh, that the, what we're recognising now more and more in behavioural sciences and, and psych is that uh, the differences between same cultural uh, people are very significant and um, when unrecognised, the frustration of being able to relate mm -hmm. is difficult. So the masterclass, for example, is, is, a, is a high level journey to be able to start to recognise the, the, the finer differences between us and how to relate to them and communicate them and respect them. Mm -hmm as well. So that can make a significant difference in relating with people you work with, uh, with negotiating uh, in family and being able to get that someone else's position is not necessarily against us. It's just not recognising it from mm -hmm. the same place. Okay. So that's a very powerful journey. Uh, what we find people coming through that and out the other end of that journey is their ability to communicate, their ability to influence, their ability to change. Uh, and also recognise their own unique culture is validating uh, and being able to get what it is that we're really truly about as an individual and be able to take that to the world and, okay. and, uh, and get results rather than um, not really get ourselves and sort of be right. successful. But but, but have a, uh, a limited idea of ourselves. Okay. It's painful. Well, it sounds as though uh, you know, you've developed a business here which is uh, touching on uh, a wide sort of variety of elements of what it takes for C-suite executives to be successful in their roles and to, to mm. can you continue to grow and realise their full potential, which uh, fits very nicely with Arate, uh, meaning, uh, Greek word meaning to fulfil one's full potential. Yeah, it's so a great I word. suppose... Um, you know, I'm interested in how your career unfolded to take you into this space. So why don't you go back and tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were born and your early life and let's just have a, uh, a light, fun conversation talking sure. through your background up till now. It wasn't always a light, fun journey, but boys being boys, I grew up in New Zealand. Right. And uh, in an area that is called the Bay of Plenty. Uh-huh. So it is, as such, it's a very abundant dairy farming fruit growing area okay. and uh, based on the ocean so I grew up with a lot of sailing a lot of rugby which is sort of I mean no boys grow up in New Zealand without playing rugby yeah we all wanted to be all blacks brothers and sisters sister 
yeah. a year older, okay. who now lives in Perth and, and has a great life. The, um, the journey from there, so, so the, coupled with the fun and abundance of that, of that environment, uh, was a pretty tough childhood for me. Yep. So my dad was a soldier, okay. and uh, he had a pretty rough time, so I grew up with a father that was somewhat remote. Mm-hmm. So, which set up a journey for me that was quite an adventure. It's funny that, um, and I'm sure we'll end up discussing it, but my love for adventures is significant. And, uh, and so the adventure of my early life was, was wild and, uh, and quite um, isolating. Mm-hmm. So I ended up on the streets as a boy uh, in my early teens. Okay. Uh, which was, in hindsight, probably one of the foundations of my passion for human beings. And was that something yeah. that you just felt that you needed to do that to get away from the situation? Yeah, it, it was a running away. Um, I, uh, being home was unsustainable. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so I took off. Right. And ended up, uh, in my first adventure, um, um, jumping on a ship the Northern Star out of New Zealand right? and uh, ended up in the only place I knew of in Australia at that naive stage of my life, which was King's Cross. So were you a yeah. stowaway? No, no, I wasn't, but I, I had worked on a building site and had a little bit of money okay. and I met some Australians there and they said, go here right. and we'll be there waiting for you because we like you so much. Um, didn't quite turn out because okay. I, 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 um, they weren't there. Right. And so uh, I ended up in the wonderful and circus-filled playground of King's Cross right. and uh, learned what it was like to be alone, learned what it was like to survive a fairly predatorial environment, mm-hmm. uh, but also learned about adventure and spontaneity and, uh, and creating each day. And so how long yeah. were you in that situation? Four years. Before? And were you doing sort of work at the time? Or One of the... Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I was blessed with... Um, and I know you'll relate to this, Richard, uh, the love of playing guitar. Right. And I had a, I, I, I had a gift and learned to play quite well quickly. Yeah. And so I busked. Okay. And, uh, and played on the streets of Sydney quite a lot. And uh, that became my vehicle. It was very interesting. Music became my uh, way of being welcomed into houses to live or sleep, right. uh, to be welcome, to be always the minstrel was the guy that uh, people loved to have around. So I, uh, I learned uh, a lot of confidence through learning to play guitar mm-hmm. and sing. So that journey travelled from that to, um, to the darker side of the street to um, reading. Okay. And so my idea of myself, and which is one of the reasons that I love what I do, was uh, a fairly low idea of who I was and my level of intelligence and ability. Uh, and through reading uh, and a voracious appetite, I started to read a lot of uh, wonderful books by Carl Jung and mm-hmm. uh, Carlos Castaneda okay. and many, many more, and started to learn that, that the idea of a human being is self-created. And uh, so I evolved myself from that into starting to feel really good about myself. And meanwhile, yeah. this is a four-year period. You're basically living pretty much on the street the whole time. Yeah, off and on. Uh, it ended up in the latter part of it where I, I trans-migrated uh, myself to, to places like Nimbin back in the Jim Cans days. Okay. And started to sort of get connected to the hippie culture. Right. And the alternative cultures. So I started to learn about um, great food. 
um, love right. and, and, uh, and even better music right. and started to sort of get a sense of, uh, of, uh, of a way of thinking mm-hmm. and a healthy way of thinking and sense of self and others that uh, really I think was the foundation for my love for sustainable thinking, okay. sustainable thinking, which is a big part of what we teach. Mm-hmm. So you're up, in, uh, you're up in Nimbin for a while? Yeah, I was back and forth from that to my city life. It was sort of like uh, two sides of the brain. Okay. So it was uh, one part was my uh, healthy, uh, sustainable, human-loving uh, world, and the other one was, was the pain of undoing the part that was attached to the relationship with my father in those early years. Right. So... Um, and then through that evolved to where I could love it all. Yeah. And so at some point then you uh, moved into a little bit more of a professional type career. Yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, in my, in my, by this time I was, I was in my very early 20s. Yeah. Um, I, I met a guy um, who had an organisation. and was a, was a direct selling organisation. Okay. And he became a mentor for me for many years. Uh, he he uh, so he would have me out there uh, in a commission only world, direct selling and uh, and travelling. Right. And what sort of products were you selling? Uh, they were financial products. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I started to learn about the world of selling is a wonderful learning tool for communication. Sure. Uh, and learning to walk in and, and present to a group in a country town. Uh, to sitting with individuals, to uh, trying to get by financially between commission check and commission check. So uh, it, I think for me, in hindsight, it taught me a lot about resilience and, right. and uh, the ability to be able to be uh, competent in my own right in spite of uh, any external organisation that I could create whatever I wanted uh, based on my work, my effort, my ethic and uh, my communication skills. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in hindsight, I, I can I can see perhaps not the tertiary part yet, and learning academic skills uh, and that sort of knowledge, but I learned how to communicate, how to influence, and uh, how to make a living. And that eventually took you over to the UK. Yeah, uh, I ended up going to England, invited to work with an organisation called Madden uh, Contact Lenses. Okay. And. Uh, and there was an opportunity there to grow an executive life, to learn. So I sort of went under the wing of the of the of the owner mm-hmm. and his senior people. And uh, the next minute, I'm sitting not with a guitar, but I'm sitting with a uh, with a little microscope, looking at contact lenses and, right. and, and having a white coat on. And uh, and so uh, yeah, that was a very interesting to start to come into a more formal learning learning arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, being, um, I married then a, a dear German girl. Right. And uh, you met her in Australia. I met her UK? in Australia, right. and uh, and uh, and we travelled that journey together and had our our daughter, who's a great part of my life these days. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we we learned that industry, and then the intention was to come back and open up an Australian branch. Okay. Uh, I had uh, in my. My, which I understand now very well, my uh, desire for ethic and integrity and sustainability clashed with some of the ideas of the leadership of that organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I needed something I believed in more. 
So I evolved from that and went back and worked with the guy that was my mentor. Okay. And uh, and uh, grew to being his right hand mm-hmm. in his organisation and uh, and ended up managing a lot of Australia uh, for him. Okay. And uh, so from there to the tertiary world. Right. So you basically stepped away from your corporate sales, sales management career yeah. to go back to a uni and uh, yeah. uh, work out what you wanted to do when you grew up. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm still doing. Right. <laughs> um, growing up's hard to do. The, uh, the itch that I couldn't scratch mm-hmm. was uh, there was something missing, like a missing piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I was in worlds where the bottom line was the most important focus, as as organisational settings are. Mm-hmm. Uh, my passion was people. So I often found myself assisting and helping people resolve personal issues uh, in my day, which became something I loved, loved being that sort of place to go to. Mm-hmm. And not in any way recognising that that was my essential uh, purpose, right. our skill in yeah. life. So a lot of the a lot of the history of learning communication, uh, l- independence, and uh, leadership sudden started to make sense. Mm-hmm. So the tertiary, the inev- I guess the the obvious choice was was um, the behavioural sciences, psychology. I was very very interested in in how humans operated okay. successfully. Mm-hmm. So. Pair of sand shoes, crappy little car, uh, blowing smoke out the back—a Suzuki hatch uh, with a with a with an environmentally green sign on the back, <laughs> roaring up and down Magic the highway. <laughs> yes, yes, the hypocrite with intention. All right. So here I was, roaring up and down the highway, um, suddenly in a world that I that I fell in love with. And that was in Brisbane. That was in Brisbane at Griffith University. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I started studying that, and uh, and from then. Uh, that journey's been well imprinted and focused and, mm-hmm. and grown a wonderful world for mm-hmm. me. And so uh, it was after coming through your undergraduate degree that you then pretty much started Mind Matters or got involved with Mind Matters. Yeah, it was. Um, through that degree, um, I, uh, the, the, the psychology degrees are very much research-oriented okay. and very stats-oriented, which is lovely and mm-hmm. fine. Uh, my brain was more into the human side, and, I, and I, um, I'd come across, as coincidence has it in life, uh, a girl who was in that degree who had been around the world of um, neurolinguistics at the time, mm-hmm. and she did a presentation um, in, a, in a tutorial, and something triggered for me. Mm-hmm. And when I finished the degree, I was in a bookshop and uh, I saw some books on uh, NLP and management by mm-hmm. an English author. And uh, as you get to know me, I am somewhat of a, an audacious character. So I rang him, the author, right. in England and started talking and, uh, and I said, I'm really interested in this work because I could see that it actually had great results. It, it got results. And so- just to have a little yeah. bit of a segue there for a moment. Yeah. Um, I, th- I imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast would have heard of this term NLP or neuro-linguistic programming, yeah. but probably have got no real idea what it's about. It's some kind yeah. of, you know, uh, 
uh, weird pop, pop psych. psych. So uh, why don't you just uh, tell the audience a little bit about what NLP actually is? Okay, it's a very grounded scientific area, funnily enough. Um, it's it's two guys um, back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. One was a professor of linguistics, other was a, was a mathematician uh, who was interested in um, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Were very, very curious about why some people got extraordinary results, somewhat effortlessly, and others got um, extraordinarily poor results effortlessly. And we're looking at what was influencing that. So they started studying some significant uh, practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, Milton Erickson, Virginia Satir, Fritz Perls, uh, and started looking at what they were doing uh, to get those results that were extraordinary. They seemed to be able to elicit what was happening for somebody and and, and get change very, very quickly. And uh, through that study, they started to understand what now is understood as neuroplasticity. They started to understand the brain can change given certain language. So the world of neuro-linguistic programming, unfortunate on the word programming, Mm -hmm. the world of neuro-linguistics is about the language and the way we understand reality as a human being. So a human being has an idea of reality based on their immediate experience uh, and what they're told which is true or not true. Right. It doesn't matter whether the world is flat or not. If a human being's brain can take it on as true, they'll live their life according to that belief. Yep. What, we, what, was, what has been noticed, and we've now taken that study a lot further, is that you can influence that mind through language, mm-hmm. through certain types of questions, and you can influence them to change their actual idea of the world and who they are in it. So it can happen very, very quickly and elegantly. So it becomes not only a therapeutic tool, it becomes a way of talking and communicating in everyday life. So give some practicality around that. What's an example of uh, a situation in which NLP would be used to influence um, that people will understand. Okay. If you take an example of a person who has a limited idea of themselves, Mm -hmm. so I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, um, I can't be successful. Most of us know that actually it's not true. So the idea is... So I'm saying this about myself, but there's a part of me that knows it's not actually true. Yeah, because the essential human being has, and what I call it, uh, has a sense of knowing Mm -hmm. that they are unlimited, they are extraordinary, they have an incredible potential. and yet a belief that becomes embodied, becomes installed through an idea they picked up um, in the past, predominantly in their childhood, um, becomes neuroplastically um, entrenched, it becomes real. 
So the idea actually becomes a part of the nervous system. So when a person believes that they're not good enough and they, they embody that, it becomes a part of the way they posture, it becomes a part of the way they, uh, for example, if somebody doesn't think they're, they're, they're very bright or, or good enough, do you imagine they would hesitate or be confident about their opinion in a social situation? They'd hesitate. They'd hesitate because the part of them knows that what they're going to say is going to be uh, not useful, mm-hmm. laughed at, mocked, or ignored. Mm-hmm. So their posture, their hesitance in their tone, in the way they look, in the way they move their body, demonstrates the doubt. Mm-hmm. And of course, people respond, react to the doubt. So it becomes what's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. So the part of them that knows once you talk to them, and I've found over 20 years, if you're talking to somebody and they're sitting in a story like that, if you ask them, is there a part of you that knows that what you're believing about yourself might not be true? They will always say, yeah. Right. I sort it, and that's why I'm here, because I don't know how to get out of this place mm-hmm. that I actually witness myself doing things, hesitating, limiting myself, and yet I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So the woman, man who eats too much, watches their hand disappear into the Tim Tam packet while they've just committed to the PT mm-hmm. that they will regime into a carrots and celery uh, and limit their glass of wine is watching themselves do something. So the part of the brain that's driving the behavior that's sabotaging um, has more power. And I don't yet, think we should make this personal about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think your desire for good cheese and wine is healthy, Richard. Because <laughs> I'm so looking forward to the next lunch. Right. So the world of neurolinguistics and or the world we've developed, which is an eclectic world of skills now, including neurolinguistics, Uh, is able to negotiate with the unconscious mind's subjective idea of reality. I'm not good enough, I'm I'm never going to make it, Um, you know, good luck doesn't happen to me, you know, I'm not attractive, you know, all of these things. Uh, Is able to negotiate in certain ways, in fact using the field of metaphor and story, to challenge the idea and it's really interesting to watch people when that idea is challenged start to shift and change their posture right. and you'll see it sitting with them in a, in, in, in a therapeutic and or workshop uh, context. They'll start to move their body and the way they talk about it and start to engage with the possibility that they are more than that and undo the way the brain's gotten hold of that. So a, a really good example might be a history for us. That I believe that uh, many humans believe the world was flat. Mm-hmm. And they lived their life according to it. They reprimanded their children for going too far because they were scared they'd fall off. And they were, you know, time out, go to your bedroom, and all that out of love, mm-hmm. out of good intention. And then some Spanish guy in a boat cruises around named Chris, and he comes back saying, uh, I don't think this is necessarily true. And so people start to be challenged by uh, an idea that is culturally supported, even though it's inaccurate. 
And even though they might change their idea and go, I know the world's not flat and I know we can go much, much further than, than we thought we could, they can still go to a certain distance and feel anxiety arise as a part of the brain that engages with safety from the past, engages and says, don't go too far, you might fall off. Mm -hmm. So the hesit even though we know that we're more than we have learned to believe, the hesitancy kicks in and either resists us from what we need to do to be successful and pulls us back and hesitates us, makes us not say what we could say at a dinner table mm -hmm. that is profoundly important for everyone to hear, mm -hmm. um, or just makes us cower away and leave the room early because we're embarrassed. Okay, so to uh, use that example then, a person's holding a belief that uh, you know, they've got self-doubt, uh, yes. they feel uh, insecure uh, because of a residual belief that they've had, much like believing that the earth is flat. And they're getting into a position where they know that they're better than their old belief, but they don't know how to uh, break it. No. And so NLP is a tool to enable people to break through those yes. old patterns of behavior and yes. live their potential. And a proven incredibly powerful tool to influence change very, very quickly. Okay, great. So we kind of, that's a fantastic short little explanation of NLP. So you're in a bookshop, you find some books, you ring the author, well, what happens? And I that? say to him, um, I'm looking for somebody to teach me this stuff. There's something about it I'm really curious about. And he says, there's this lady in Australia, her name's Catherine Connolly. And this is where you find her. So I pursued that, mm -hmm. found out about some courses she was running, and, um, and fell in love with the teacher and married her. Mm -hmm. It's like that old ad, I loved it so much, I bought the company. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so that, that was actually Mind Matters in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. And so Mind Matters, uh, 20 years of you starting to where it is now. Yeah. So what, what, what have been some of the sort of big milestones along that time? You know, some of the things that have happened that have been great and maybe not so great who've, that have gotten you to where you are now. It's been an amazing journey. There hasn't been a not so great, mm -hmm. really. Uh, there's been any small business challenge of, sure. of becoming, overcoming, uh, things that uh, we needed to change. Usually we found that that's when we needed to change. But uh, the journey unfolded into what is now a huge database and clientele of people that are incredibly uh, meaningful to us. So it's become a, a sort of a, um, a community uh, of, of thinking, uh, of critical thinking. Um, and people that is a... Uh, that are, have been able to move to their, um, where their mojo engages, where they can uh, dance like no one's watching, they can reach their potential. So um, being a part of that um, in workshops, in one-on-one -on -one, um, situations, the clients that I saw 20 years ago mm -hmm. are still um, tuning in, uh, refining their thinking, modifying their thinking, uh, and adjusting their thinking to to evolve their lives even more because mm -hmm. it's a it's a journey. So you know, based on what you said earlier on, it tends to be a crisis. Uh, usually, it is to initiate it. Eventually, it becomes a place of fine tuning. 
where they're mentally fit and emotionally fit and just, uh, as some of them say, you help me think, they will come back into programs. So Mind Matters has become this um, uh, place right. where people can come in and engage in a network. Mm-hmm. Um, they can, where the think is, is dynamic and creative and uh, abundant. And an example being, um, I mean, I've watched a, a particular person who was actually in the, in, the, in the, or has been in the recruitment world very successfully. I remember when she first came and saw us and uh, her hesitancy was that she had become very successful as an executive in an organisation, but her dream was to have her own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the noise, the chatter, the inner idea was that she wouldn't be able to succeed at that. And the fear of leaving the organisational setting was uh, extraordinarily difficult for her. So she worked very closely with Catherine in that context and was able to reframe her idea of herself and since then has built two organisations very, very successfully, become quite a wealthy uh, human being and a very happy one. Uh, and when she looks back at the idea of herself back then in that fear, it's, uh, she quietly smiles and just, and as we often do, just go, I, I can't believe that I was believing what I was back then mm-hmm. compared to what I know now. So our world is filled with those stories. Uh, so we're very proud of our work. And you mentioned uh, that you've always enjoyed adventures and I know that Mind Matters has some interesting adventures taking yeah. people to Italy and doing all yes. kinds of fun stuff like that. Yeah, the, um, we, we, I mean, we mentioned earlier with my earlier years, uh, the adventure boy. Uh, that's evolved into um, a lot of work in Indonesia, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love adventures where I take people into cultures that are s- relatively sustainable cultures. Uh, the Dayaks of Borneo, Kalimantan, Indonesian Borneo, uh, way up in the mountains there. So we've done some incredible journeys where, um, where the guys and, and girls, uh, often it's boys to men, fathers and sons, those sort of contexts, and mm-hmm. or husbands and wives, but most people can come and they get to live with people in tribal cultures living in the rainforests. They get to connect with a part of themselves that seems to come alive. It's like an innate part. And I know at your lunch, just talking to some of the guys, and they seem to log on to that adventure side of my world. Yeah as a real attraction mm-hmm. and uh, once they go up into these places and they're travelling up rivers in these long boats with, with, with the dyaks with feathers coming out <laughs> these great headdresses and, uh, and they're 60, 70 year old men who are built like 25 year olds who just have a love for life and we're travelling up these rivers and staying in the villages and disappearing into the rainforest um, is a setting where they see uh, an environment that's completely abundant. Mm-hmm. There's fish in the rivers, the jungles are abundant and healthy and you can't see any damage in those parts of Borneo. Uh, unfortunately, there are other parts that have been. And they start to get that you can build a life, which is what the metaphor is. Mm-hmm. You can build a life that um, is work lifestyle balanced and healthy and happy and successful financially mm-hmm. and significant in your sense of self uh, and tick most of the boxes and it seems to equate with youth and health mm-hmm. and well-being 
So those trips have been into Bali for many years where we worked very closely with the ancient Bali culture up in Ubud and up in, not necessarily the, the Kuta culture, right. but more the, the traditional cultures yeah. and uh, learning their incredible ability with relationships. We mm-hmm. work a lot with relationships. Uh, and so, yeah, Italy is a big part of our agenda, uh, is that Italian culture has a great history and family and family values first. So that when we see executives especially who often can end up where their career has, has, has uh, swept them away, often, and not always, uh, they can end up wondering where the family's gone or they can wonder who you are now. Yeah. And getting that into balance is easily understood when you take them into cultures where that's being lived. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to teach in a real metaphor mm-hmm. than to try and explain it theoretically. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because uh, you know you've got the person who's got an individual crisis who's coming to you saying, "Help! I'm in a particular situation," and then the other road that leads to Rome is people who go and do this adventure and by being part of this sort of uh, experience, they get a sense of where their life may have some gaps, yeah. and it's more a positive way to then engage in order to uh, find opportunities to have a more holistic balanced lifestyle absolutely so right. and 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 the and, and the the boy the boyness in us mm-hmm. i've noticed with a lot of men i've worked with some wonderful men uh who have lost their boyishness mm-hmm. and become serious and focused and uh and uh, and sort of lost in what the idea of being a um a man is and when they're roaring up a river uh, with tribal people mm-hmm. and their true nature, there's you watch the men come alive and you see the boyishness and you see this fun and play. And they talk afterwards with tears, just saying uh, that they had forgotten what it was like to be a boy again. And they bring that back into their organisations and into their life and it sparks them up that there is, a, there is a place for us to be boyish and there's a place for us to be professional but there's also a place for both of them to play out together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what would be the female equivalent experience? The same thing. A lot of women, um, both corporately, have had to take on aspects um, of the masculine energy to succeed in the corporate world uh, and or they've got lost in the cognitive side of our nature which is somewhat masculine and uh, stuck in their heads and uh, also um, they have forgotten um, the joyousness of being a woman, the joyousness of being playful um, and uh, the joyousness of uh, well, and a good example is not always business women, uh, is mothering. The mm-hmm. mothers that grow up beside some of the men who are growing corporate lives uh, end up being immersed totally in the idea of being a mother and a wife, and then their children grow up and start to take off, and they feel like they have no idea who they are anymore. Mm-hmm. They have no identity. So for them to go up and hang out and learn from the Balinese women, or the Italian mothers, right. they start to connect with that part of themselves. And it's incredibly powerful for them. If you, and if any women are listening to this podcast, uh, I, I know that a part of them will, will recognise that there is an Aiken side of trying to find that playful girl and be successful corporately. Mm-hmm. Um, and be yes. a responsible mother. And be a sp- responsible mother. It's a very difficult dance. Sure. And many get lost and end up in a world of depression, anxiety, 
and or just a sense of helplessness mm-hmm. uh, or I don't know who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that can affect relationships, marriages, whereas the ability of uh, great marriages, great relationships, great sense of self is that together the adventurer and the boyishness and the incredibly bright muse next to him, uh, the, the feminine, uh, is able to play it out together and support each other. So they say beside every great man there's a woman and vice versa, mm-hmm. is, about that, is about that balance. And when you look at great marriages or great relationships, they've been able to find that together and keep it alive. Mm-hmm. So the family, the, the professional life, uh, the adventure lifestyle, the sense of self, the time with children is balanced and healthy and radiant and resilient. And it's fun, it's playful, because mm-hmm. happiness is an incredibly important part of the human journey. And sure. it seems to have uh, lost its place in many, many instances. Mm-hmm. So given this podcast, uh, the audience are predominantly people who are still building their career, whether it's to being a C-suite executive or a non-executive director or maybe yeah. an owner of their own business, um, what would be some of the uh, lessons that you've learnt that you could articulate as a way of providing some wisdom to allow them to take their career to its fullest potential whilst also being mindful of having uh, a good level of balance in their life. Yeah. It's really, really important to have an idea uh, of, of the identity of our successful self. Right. So one of the beautiful propensities of the human brain is that it can travel into the future mm-hmm. before we've lived it and have a look around. So if you look at, as an example, just to make that a little bit more grounded, the, if you look around any room and you notice all the things in it, if you go back to the origin of those things, you'll find that they, the original beginning of it was imagined. Mm-hmm. So in fact, none of those things can exist without imagination first. Why is that important? Because our idea of ourselves and our future, our success, is also imagined first. It can happen randomly, and it can happen vicariously just by the fact that we're good at what we do and we end up being promoted. Uh, but often the Peter Principle can kick in, we get promoted to our level of incompetence. Mm-hmm. Happens when we haven't got a vision or an understanding of what we're actually creating. So we can be off getting degrees, MBAs, we can be growing ourselves, getting technically wise, growing in an organisation without thinking about the idea of who we are when we're at our pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like in a, uh, I guess, a kaleidoscope. You look at across the life. What does my family life look like? What does my career look like? What does my health and fitness look like? What does my spiritual life look like? What's my adventure lifestyle look like? Uh, what, you know, how much time am I spending with my friends? How was that relationships like? I haven't got time or... So my most important for me when I work with people, um, especially people on a, on a, on a fast track to success, in corporate lives mm-hmm. is really, really have a look at, which we do always first up when I work with somebody, what are you creating and what's important about it and who are you when it's, when it's in place? Mm-hmm. What does your life look like? So when you look at that, they look at um, my sense of self. We're looking at how am I balancing my life out so that everything's uh, catered for. Uh, and, of course, what I want to create as a result of it. Mm-hmm. So what we've also found is that when people make the result of their success, not only what they want to have, lifestyle, material things, t- 
title, success, significance. It's also what is the effect of my success. Mm -hmm. So what's my impact? Um, and the effect is really important. A lot of the time um, that adds meaning to our journey. That is, that is more than just my immediate success. So there's the, which is the healthy narcissistic side of my success, and then there's the effect I'm having. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times people who build a success, which is just I've built a successful world, which is introspective and it's materially wonderful, and I've got all the stuff and I've got the titles, but there's still an emptiness, is because they didn't choreograph the meaningfulness of that journey more than just my having. Mm -hmm. So who have I become and what, what impact do I have? So I would compel people to really, really look at uh, the effect they've had so far, the impact, and that's a brave 360 degree view, mm -hmm. is you can look at your family and go, what's the impact on my family? Ask your partner, ask your kids, ask your friends, um, and get a check of the impact. And what is my purpose through the success? And you know, what impact do I have in terms of the difference I'm making? So that doesn't mean I have to have, you know, I don't have to be sort of making world change, uh, but it can. But where am I sewing in? What, what, um, where am I making a difference in other people's lives? Mm -hmm. How am I helping other guys up? Have I got time for people that, that uh, ask for my help? Am I too busy? So it sounds to me as though uh, what you're really suggesting is a, a rigorous uh, self-reflection, yeah. um, probably done in a way that they're using a tool to make it easy and, and to articulate the complexities of what you're talking about. Because whilst it sounds like quite a, a simple thing to do, I think yeah. it'd be fair to say a very, very low major, um minority of people would actually do an exercise like this less than five percent at any point in their career yes yeah and yet the ones that do right find a place where happiness and inspiration exist mm -hmm. rather than exhaustion mm -hmm. it's interesting i went to a uh, university presentation last night about mentoring ceos two academics from the u.s have done this big global study that's taken countless years and thousands of interviews to work out that people, CEOs who are mentored, actually perform better at their job and have more fun and are more successful. And you go, yeah, that's pretty simple. But, I'll, uh, and so I'm here hearing this story and going, this is just so completely obvious. I can't believe that you needed a university study to show this. Yeah, yeah. But I that's suppose right. there are a lot of CEOs and senior executives who are sitting there trying to be brave and, and trying to have all the answers and being so fearful of demonstrating any weakness because yeah. of potentially being judged as incompetent, um, that uh, you know they wouldn't take the time to reach out to get these kind of tools. So I suppose just to close out you know, this conversation, uh, if somebody was interested in reaching out to you and learning more about uh, what you do, I know that you're based here in Brisbane, but what are the opportunities for people to do that? Um, absolutely easy. Um, I'm available in Brisbane, in here at Petrie Terrace, uh, two days a week. My my uh, other colleague who man manages or uh, mentors senior uh, people, 
is here on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So our availability is significant. Our, our agenda for our workshops is mapped out a year in advance. Mm -hmm. And what about for people who aren't in Brisbane? We are actually a great question. I've got a lot of clients who are all over the world. Uh -huh. So the beautiful world of the internet and Skype and or other vehicles mm -hmm. uh, are just as powerful. So Skyping, we don't need the body here to be able to do the job. Yep. Uh, it's sometimes fun to sure. shake hands. Uh, and yet we don't need it. So we do a lot of sessions okay. uh, via, via Skype. Okay, great. Well, look, certainly in the show notes, I'll put uh, links to uh, you, Mind Richard. Matters website and, and Rex's profile and so on, and happy to facilitate any introduction. Thank so you. let's just look to the future now. And, uh, you know, if you look five to ten years in the future, what are the kind of things you're excited about achieving uh, uh, for yourself personally and professionally and, and within Mind Matters? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's very interesting you say that because I believe in walking your talk. Mm -hmm. So uh, the focus being on, uh, for me, uh, at the moment I've created a world where my work-lifestyle balance is in pretty good nick. Yeah. So I take very, very good care to have self-time. And so the design for the future is to, to refine that and increase our travel. So a lot of the journeys um, that we put together for facilitating will be to places that we love. Right. So we're living that. Being in Italy is always an enormously fabulous thing. Sure. Being in the jungle is one of the things Rex loves. And uh, so that will be incorporated even more so. I don't believe, as many of my clients know, in the R word, the idea of retirement to me is a, is a, uh, is a death warrant. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean that we don't stop our career, I mean that we design our future the same way as why we were talking earlier on about designing it. So for me, um, it is um, loving my work and continuing it to the day that I, uh, that I fall over mm -hmm. or die in an elegant position in a jungle somewhere in a canoe. <laughs> so um, with a blissful smile on my face. So for me, my whole purpose uh, at the risk of being idealistic, is to hold the space for other people as a mentor mm -hmm. to get to their potential. That's what makes me really uh, uh, juice up. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps me alive. Um, and that I will do until I'm in my 110th year. Right, which is uh, a few years away. It's a few years. Right. We've got a bit to go, Richard. Excellent. Well, look, uh, before we close it out, any final uh, things that you'd like to leave the audience with that perhaps we haven't discussed already? Only that human potential is your unlimited self. Mm -hmm. It's who you were born to be. Most of your clientele, Richard, are success-oriented people, all of them, in fact. And to bring their life into perfect balance, to bring their life into um, what they're capable of to create great happiness in their careers and in their... Uh, in every dimension of their life is absolutely available. Mm -hmm. There's a strategy. Happiness is a skill. And so it's learnable. And I am very available and passionate to walk beside anyone that wants to come in and play with what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Rex. Really appreciate your time today. And uh, I, as I said earlier, I'll happily uh, introduce you to anybody who is listening to this who may have an interest in chatting further. But in the meantime, have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you, Mr. Triggs.
Thanks again for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and I'm looking forward to welcoming you back for future episodes of the Arate podcast. In the meantime, have a fantastic day.